Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford. Uh, So I got an email, and I just want to read it to you. I know that, you know, reading emails isn't super exciting, but I want to read this email to you because I really want to... uh, I want to answer this question because I think this is a question that lots of people have. Uh, And this is from a client I have... um, who I've been coaching with for a little bit now, and, well, I'll just read it to you. Hey, it's been a while since we've met. Uh, You know that I'm very open and candid communicator, so keep that in mind before continuing this email. The reason I haven't contacted you for a few months is that I've been so overwhelming enveloped by pornography, I think overwhelmingly enveloped by pornography use, that I lost some motivation to try I've become a mess. The state of my room reflects the state of my emotions, a messy disaster. For some reason, I always see parallels between my room and my overall emotional health. And I think that's the case for many people. Sorry for that tangent. All right. Anyways, I know that there's hope for me. I know I can kick this. In your podcast, you often seem to be speaking to an audience that has several months or even over a year of sobriety. I know, and he puts sobriety in quotes because he knows that I don't like that. I don't, I don't do addiction model conversation, right? Uh, I know that counting days isn't in every case helpful and can often prove unhelpful for many. That's the whole gist of Brad Wilcox's recent talk, uh, Worthiness Isn't Flawlessness, which, by the way, absolute fantastic talk, um, you know, trying to get Brad on the podcast was was awesome, but he said he couldn't make it because of other constraints. So, you know, I did a review of that with Darcy last week or the week before, I can't remember. So, which you touched on in a previous podcast, right? But would you mind, uh, through an email or preferably in a podcast, speak to those of us who are at ground zero? I'm referring to those of us who can't seem to go more than a day or even a few hours without pornography. Those of us who have possibly never had more than a week or two of sobriety in a decade. Those of us who look at any random girl on the street or at the bank or wherever and can't help but picture something unsavory. My thoughts don't make me feel guilty. My thoughts are my thoughts and nothing more. I understand that, but you get the picture I'm painting. All your podcasts are filled with credible, incredible advice, and I, th- I thank you for that. And you've probably already touched on this in some way before, but would you mind offering some advice and perspective on those of us at Ground Zero? Uh, Possibly some helpful tips or practices for starting off small, maybe some hope. Okay. And then, so we had a little bit of an email exchange and he, he came up with these three questions that he wanted me to answer. 
How can I stop the snowball of discouragement? Where do I start from the emotional wreckage that is found in Ground Zero? And because belief is so important, what can I do to believe in and hope for a future where I've kicked this habit when I haven't seen more than a few weeks of sobriety in over a decade? Okay, so we're going to answer those questions, but I'm actually going to start with one that he didn't ask here that was in his original email. And he didn't ask it in a question, but I'm going to make it into a question, or I'm going to at least speak to it. He says, those of us who, um, let's see, I'm referring to those of us who can't seem to go more than a day or even a few hours without pornography, those of us who have possibly never had more than a week of t- or two of sobriety in a decade, those of us who look at a random girl on the street or at the bank or wherever and can't help but picture something unsavory. Um, my thoughts don't make so, and then he goes on to say, my thoughts don't make me feel guilty, my thoughts are my thoughts and nothing more. I understand that, but you get the picture I'm painting. Okay, so... The, the question I think or the, you know, the, the issue that we see here or I see in this particular sentence is, you know, there's a basic sex drive built into all of us as humans. And so when our brain and this particular young man is not married, but when our brain offers us a thought or says, oh, that woman is so beautiful, I'd like to see her boobs, right? So hopefully I'm not, you know cueing any of you to go and follow your way down the rabbit hole, but I want you to be like really clear on what brains do. They offer us these highly graphic ideas. And and the idea that our brain can tell a really good story is not probably anything new to you, but kind of just be aware that your brain is so awesome that it will like it creates fantasy lands. <laughs> and I don't know how else to say it. Like when when you have thoughts in your head, they have lights and they have music and they have special effects and they have all of these amazing things happening when they when you know when your brain offers you this idea. And just like taking it out of your brain and maybe putting it on paper, that might be helpful to just be objective about something. Right. So when your brain offers you, oh, that girl is so, so hot and I would like to have sex with her or that woman is so, so hot and I'd like to have sex with her or um, I'd like to see more of that. Right. Or whatever it is that your brain offers you, feel free to just take that out of your brain and put it on paper. Just be like, oh, this is what my brain offered me. Is that and then you can just ask it a question. Is that who I want to be? Is that what I want in my life? Is is believing this thought going to help me become the person that I want to be? And I, I want you to. You've got to remember this. If you don't remember this, it's you're going to screw this whole thing up. You can't ask that question from a place of judgment. You have to ask that question from a place of genuine, objective curiosity. Is believing this going to help me be the person that I want to be? And if it's not, can I discard it? And being completely neutral about that question and being completely neutral about what your brain is offering you is going to start to create a different relationship with the things that your brain offers you, okay? So let's start there. Your brain's going to tell you about the beautiful things in the world. That's its design. That's what it's supposed to do. Be willing to just ask it some questions. I think that's a good place to start, okay? The next question that he asked was, how can I stop the snowball of discouragement? So I want to start by being really clear that We absolutely are going to spend a lot of time in places that suck. 
that are very uncomfortable. Discomfort is the currency of success. So if you want to be successful in life, you have to be willing to lean into the discouragement, the discomfort, the frustration, the loneliness, and say, okay, this is what it feels like right now, and just feel that. A lot of what people try to do, this is probably the main thing that you're doing whenever it is that you are um, confronted with an uncomfortable thing, whatever that discomfort is, even curiosity, loneliness, frustration, uh, stress, you name it, if it's uncomfortable for you, so like social situations for some people, whatever it is, right? Whatever your discomfort is, you are almost invariably trying to avoid it. Now think about that. If you are always trying to avoid discomfort, what actually happens? What happens to you when all you do is try to avoid discomfort? As a, as a human, you stop growing. You stop succeeding. You stop getting to places where you want to be. Now, let me, let me explain what that means, right? So if I'm a bodybuilder, if I'm a weightlifter, if that's my job, if that's what I want to do is I want to lift weights, or if that's just what I do for fun, I have to get comfortable lifting heavy things. That's the job of a weightlifter, right? The thing is, lifting heavy things is not super comfortable. Nobody, nobody, I, I mean, there's, there's a sense of enjoyment, and don't get me wrong. Some of you are listening to this, and you're like, oh, yeah, what about the runner's high? And some of you are listening to this, and you're like, no, the runner's high doesn't exist, or, you know, that high that you get from working out doesn't exist. I don't know. All I know is that the better you get at being uncomfortable, the more likely you are to succeed when success shows up, when it's time to succeed, when, when you have done the work that makes your muscles big makes your running fast, makes your work, um, you know, easy, whatever that is. So this snowball of discouragement that you're in, welcome to humanity, right? Like, and I don't say that in a flip way. I want to say that in a way that says, okay, yes, everyone is there. Everyone is there. And you have, you have to take ownership of where you are, right? And this is kind of where you go with this next question, which is, where do I start from the emotional wreckage that is ground that is found in ground zero? We're just taking ownership of where you are, right? Where am I? Why am I where I am? What are the actions that, that are taking me from where I want to be to where I am right now? And you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this uh, in, his, in some of the work that he does online, right? So some of his videos, he says, you may not be getting exactly to where you want to be because you haven't figured exactly out where it is that you want to be. Right? You may not be getting exactly where you want because you haven't figured out exactly what it is that you do want. So, you know, if I'm sitting at ground zero, it's not like, and, and by the way, you're not sitting at ground zero. No one's really sitting at ground zero. Uh, partly because ground zero doesn't exist unless you're a brand new baby. Right? You have learned something. So, where you are is you're in a place that's like, I don't like where I am. I'm uncomfortable with the discomfort that I've created by avoiding discomfort, okay? So what's that look like? Discomfort that you create by avoiding discomfort is what we call experiential avoidance or buffering or whatever to where 
Um, you know, if I feel bad, like let's say I feel stressed. Well, for me, let me let me just give you an example from my own life. I feel when I feel lonely, I try to avoid uh, feeling lonely. Right. So, for instance, um, a number of years ago when we lived in California, Darcy took the family off to uh, Wisconsin to hang out with her family, and I was lonely for literally like a month. I was alone and lonely for a month. And at, at one point, and this was like early on in the, in the process of Darcy knowing about pornography. And I was so good for so long. And I was just like, screw it, man. I, I am sick of feeling lonely. So then what did I do? I went and I looked at porn. Well, guess what happened? So, um, so if we take emotions as just like tokens, right? Each token, each emotion is, is valued as one token. Well, here's what happens, right? Uh, loneliness is token one. And then instead of like feeling lonely and dealing with my loneliness, I chose pornography. Well, now I haven't actually dealt with my loneliness and I, and I, now I've had arousal. Arousal is another feeling. Arousal feels good and, and uh, loneliness feels bad. Well, here's what happens next, right? Uh, once the arousal fades because you spent the token and you haven't really dealt with the, or spent the token of loneliness, you still feel lonely. So you got loneliness there, and you got to spend that token. And then you feel frustrated, so now you've got another token because you're like, crap, man, I've, I've added into my misery because now i got to tell my wife and I, you know, all the you know, space that I've made between the last time I looked at pornography and today, that's all wiped out. And then you feel maybe a little bit scared that your wife's going like, to leave you because that's how I felt. I was afraid that she would leave me because that was early on in our lives. And then maybe I feel um, stressed because um, if she leaves me, how am I going to manage to take care of my whole family? And now I have four negative tokens to one positive token. Now, one of those tokens can get kind of basically, you know, uh, blanked out, right? You, can, you know, one bad token can kind of cancel out a, a good token. But not really. It's not really how it works. But, you know, if you kind of look at it from math, that's kind of what you're looking at. Well, now I got a three or a four to one token ratio. And that's a terrible place to be. So if you want to like figure out, okay, where do I actually want to be? And how do I actually want to spend my life? You got to figure out, okay, do I want to deal with the, the, the token of loneliness or do I want to avoid that and, you know, spend the token of arousal. So that's where you are. You're in a place that is spending lots of tokens that you don't have, that you got to pay back in other emotions, those negative emotions. And you are, and this is probably not a great analogy, but you are really, you're not at ground zero. You're at emotional deficit. That's really where you are. So how do I get out of emotional deficit? Well, I have to decide, where do I want to be? Do I want to be in a place where I don't um, overspend emotionally, you know, create emotional deficits? Or do I want to be in a place where I just feel good right now and, you know, what, whatever happens an hour from now doesn't matter? Okay, so you got to be willing to say, I want to be in a place where I'm dealing with discomfort up front. By the way, this has a really great scriptural reference. If you think of 2 Nephi 2.25, right? 
And, you know, this is the scripture that I think of when I think of, you know, what's my purpose here on, on earth? Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. And, and that particular scripture is one that I think we, we mistake because we don't recognize what we actually need to be doing. We need to be reading, because I think we think, oh, I should just be happy all the time. I should feel good all the time. So if you think about your life, what percentage of the time do you think you should be happy? Some of you are like, oh, I should be happy 90% of the time. Some of you are 80, some of you are 70, some of you are 60, right? And then, and you look at how happy am I actually? Well, about 20% of the time I'm happy or, you know, so it like almost flips on its end, right? If I think I should be happy 90% of the time and I'm avoiding discomfort as often as possible, I'm only actually happy about 10% of the time, right? So to really understand that verse, you have to go 13 verses earlier. You have to go to 2 Nephi 2, I think it's 11 or 12 or whatever it is, um, where Lehi starts to talk about opposition in all things. You can't have good without bad. You can't have evil without righteousness, all of that, right? So if you want to have joy, what do you have to have? You have to be able to deal with and move through what I would call misery, which is feeling bad and still choosing to do what you, what's going to bring you closer to your Heavenly Father, right? So to do that, you got to start by taking ownership of your choices. You have to own what it is that you're doing, right? Uh, and if you do that, you're going to start to really be conscious of, well, why am I, why am I being miserable? Why am I miserable right now? A lot of times when people turn to pornography, the very next thing they want to do is forget about it. They want to like run away from it, never see it again, which is funny because oftentimes what they end up actually doing is going back and reliving it and reliving it and reliving it and being miserable long run. So if you want to stop being at an emotional deficit, you've got to take ownership of your choices. I am looking at pornography. Why? I'm looking at pornography so I can avoid feeling X. Why am I trying to avoid feeling X? Because I feel like I deserve to feel better, mostly, right? Or I don't think I can handle it if I feel X. Or I don't think I can survive if I have to feel X, right? So there's a lot of reasons you got to figure it out. You got to look in. You got to go, okay, I'm, I'm at the bottom. I'm in an emotional deficit. I'm thoroughly discouraged, right? I'm so thoroughly discouraged that I believe that it's piling on top of me. So how do I move forward? And this is his question, really. What can I do to believe in and hope for a future where I've kicked this habit when I haven't seen more than a few weeks of sobriety in over a decade? So I want to start with um, a scripture that I love. This is actually my favorite definition of faith. So this is in Ether chapter 12, verse 4, and it says, Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world. Yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. Okay, so I read, I read three very important things in here. Number one, faith 
or belief, right? So there's there's three components to faith, as it is the way that I read this scripture. This is my own personal interpretation, gospel according to Zach. You guys can throw this away if you like afterward. But faith looks like this. It's the intersection of belief, hope, and action, right? So belief. Do I believe in the atonement? Do I believe that Heavenly Father has created this path that will help me get back from where I am to where I want to be, to him, right? The second part is hope. Now, you can believe something and have absolutely no hope in it, right? So I can believe certain things but not have any hope. This is key. Now, the question is, if I want to believe something, I want to start by believing something that I have hope in, that that I have a an emotional attachment to, an emotional reality that says, Yes, this will take me back. This will take me forward. This will, whatever it is, this will get me where I want to be going, right? And then the third component, and I think this is probably the most important component that we have control over as humans, is action, right? Right. So it says, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. That's a whole, like, action sentence, right? But the, the key here is the hope and the belief anchor us, and the next step is to take action. That's our job, right? So if we think, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to succeed at this, right? Take action. And what does action look like? It looks like baby steps. It looks like starting with something small and moving forward one step, okay? So for instance, like this client, he's like, I haven't talked to you in so long, months, right? Make an appointment. How costly is that? That costs you nothing to make an appointment. It takes five seconds. Click, off I go, right? Make an appointment. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what should I do? You can make an appointment too. You can make an appointment with me. It costs nothing. Go to zackspafford.com slash work with me. It's free. zackspafford.com slash work with me. If you're like, okay, I'm stuck. Where do I go? That's a good place to start, right? Take ownership for where you are and then make an appointment, okay? Next thing, um, fail, 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 and 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 fail, until you succeed. Now, here, here, so, I mean, a lot of people would be like, well, the only real failure is if you stop trying. Yes, that's true, but I think you get what I mean, which is the more you try, the more things that you put into the process, the more variables you adjust, the more times you seek to improve on the process that you have right now, the more likely you are to, in the long run, actually succeed and succeed wildly, okay? So, and I think this was Jordan Peterson, but I can't, I can't remember who actually said this, but I was watching something, and they were like, listen, if you look at the trajectory of most of the most successful people in the world, what do they do? They fail significantly, regularly, and with an eye towards learning, Right? So what they do is they find a variable and they adjust it. And when that variable starts to work, they go find another variable and they adjust that. And when that variable starts to work, and eventually what they have is systems that allow them to succeed, not just in the thing that they're working on, you know, acutely, right? So if, if the thing you're working on is pornography and getting rid of it, rid of it in your life, then you're, you know, you're going to start to succeed at that. But then here's what's going to be really awesome is you're going to start to succeed at everything else. 
So not only are you going to get really good at having systems to avoid turning to pornography so that you can avoid your emotions, but you're going to learn to deal with your emotions, and then you're going to learn to become successful at all kinds of other things because you've done that. Let me repeat that. If you are sitting there and you're like, well, how can I eliminate pornography from my life? Uh, It has been decades since I started looking at it, and I don't know how to stop looking at it, okay? Start by changing one thing and see if that works. See if it helps. See if it improves the scenario. If it improves things by 1%, keep it. If it doesn't improve things by 1%, find something else. And fail and fail and fail and fail, but fail from a position of learning, right? How do I do this? What am I gonna do? This is an experiment. Just run an experiment. Run an experiment on this thing, change it. Run an experiment on that thing, change it, right? If you're at, as my client here said, you're, you know, you're in a snowball of discouragement at ground zero with no sobriety in over a decade, change one thing. Like, I'm not telling you to like change the whole world by tomorrow. And this, this is, this is a really frustrating thing for me because a lot of times, and this was frustrating for me personally, right? Because here I am, my wife finds out about my pornography use and guess what she told me to do? Fix it now, right? (laughs) There's like no five minutes, no 10 minutes, no like, hey, learn how to do this. It's like, fix it now, right? And that's probably where you feel you are. You're in a place where you're like, oh, I absolutely have to solve this problem tomorrow, absolutely, without any equivocation, and I can't learn any skills in the meantime. Listen, you're learning a foreign language. You're learning a skill set. You're not learning, uh, or you're not flipping a switch. That's the difference. So stop Stop thinking there's a, uh, a flip, a switch to flip, right? Because I think we listen, you know, we read the scriptures and we're like, Alma the Younger, and all of a sudden he was a good guy, and um, Saul became Paul on like in two seconds after he saw an angel. Um, you know, I don't think that those are the norm. I think that those are 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 possible. They're certain, right? Like it happened, but I'm also like, that's not really how it works for most people. It can, don't get me wrong, it can happen for you. But what I think is more likely is that there was something working in their minds, right? So like Alma the Younger, my guess is that all the lessons that his father had for him, they were still back there in the back of his mind and he was probably moving in a direction. Well, maybe he wasn't, I don't know. But something something was already there. There was a foundation there of work that had been done. Saul he really was trying to be a good dude. He persecuted the saints while he was doing it. But I mean, the way I read it, he was basically trying to be a good dude. And then God was like, Hey dude, you're, you're after the wrong people here. So I need you to just be a little bit better. And that means becoming a Christian, even though that's who you've been persecuting for a while now. But you know, keep, keep trying to be righteous, right? And I don't think there's any one of us out there who's like, I'm going to be a bad human on purpose. No, <laughs> I've never met that guy. If you know that person, do not send them in my direction. I don't want to know them. But most of us are trying to be good. And so the issue isn't like, can I flip the switch to be a good person? The issue is, can I reassert agency in a way that allows me 
to successfully eliminate a bad habit? The answer is yes. And the process for doing that is trial and error. Failure and failure and failure over and over and over again until all of a sudden success happens. Um, Gary V, I think, is a, a really good example of this. Gary V is a guy, if you don't know who he is, you can Google him. But um, if I remember the story correctly, Gary V was a, a wine entrepreneur. I know we're Mormons, we don't like wine, but that's okay. It's just about entrepreneurship, right? And for 10 years, basically, he sent out like a wine list via fax. So imagine imagine trying to like run a, a business out of a fax machine. Sounds like a terrible idea. Anyhow, years and years and years and years of doing this. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happened. It caught on and everybody was like, look at this guy. And he became a very wealthy entrepreneur. Here's the thing. That 10 years is where all the foundation was laid. That 10 years is where the experiments happened. That 10 years is where minor tweaks and little bits and doodads and flushes and this and that, all the stuff happened. And then success happened. It wasn't immediate. And I would say, you know, lots of people out there. So, so I think that's a really good place to start. I would also add, by the way, you're probably not as unsuccessful as you think you are. Most people are much more successful than they think they are. Let me, give, let me give you an example of this, and I've talked about this on the podcast. What's, what's your batting percentage? What's your batting average here? So a really easy way that I like to calculate this is take the number of hours in a week, so, you know, 168, that's the total number of hours in, in any given week, and um, divide that by how much time you spend looking at pornography. So... Uh, probably the client uh, that I have that probably has looked at pornography the most, the absolute most, was, is a client who was looking at pornography between 10 and 12 hours. So if we take 12 hours, um, he was essentially spending 10% of his week looking at pornography, give or take. So his batting average, right? Because the thing that you want the most, or at least the thing that you think you want the most, is to not look at pornography. So his batting average is 90%, essentially. I mean... I could do the numbers real quick, but uh, basically for every 10 minutes you spend looking at pornography, you knock your batting average down by a tenth of a percent is the you know short math. So if you're looking at pornography for 60 minutes a week total, you're looking at 99.4% of the time not looking at pornography. If that's the stated goal, Let's be really blunt about this. If the stated goal is to not look at pornography, then 99.4% of the time not looking at pornography is a really good score. That's a great batting average, right? And it, you know, if you got 99.4% of your, um, you know, every test you ever took, you'd probably be pleased with that. If you got 99.4% of every goal that you ever wanted to achieve at work, you'd probably be really pleased with that. If you play sports and you're like, yeah, if my free throw percent was 99.4%, I'd be in the, uh, in the NBA. This is, this is a, a, a little bit of a shift, right? We have to be ready and willing to start thinking about this differently. And this is a really great place. I love this place, right? Which is, I'm actually really good at not looking at porn. Now I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to get better, right? Because winners win. If you look at the winningest uh, ball clubs in the in the world, uh, you know, uh, Yankees come to mind, right? They have like 25% of all the World Series pennants. I'm not that into 
baseball, but you get what I'm saying. They have uh, 25% of all of the World Series titles. They're a winning club. Maybe they don't win this year. Maybe they don't win next year. But in aggregate, they are the winningest ball club probably out there. There's somebody who's going to like text me and be like, no, 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 it's this club. I don't know. Truth is, the more you win, the better you get at it. And the more you enjoy winning and the more you see yourself as a winner, guess what you're going to do? You're going to work harder at making those tiny little adjustments that make you even more of a winner. And that, that's the truth, man. So listen, if you're in that place, you're at that net negative of emotions, start by doing some little tiny steps. Listen to this podcast, you know, make, make an appointment, give me a call, change one thing, see if you can get good at that, and see yourself as a winner. All right? I love you guys. I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash workwithme, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self-mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.